Morning Liberty. Well, what is going on, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of Good Morning Liberty. I'm one of the hosts here, Charles Chuck Thompson. With me, as always, the beloved Mr. Nathaniel Paul Thurston. Wearing his We the People shirt, believing in the Second Amendment, but still representing walls as well with your SpaceX hat and government-funded. My government-funded hat. Yeah. Uh, government-funded flag and stuff, everything. How's it going, man? Uh, it's going It's going pretty good overall. Yeah, I do have my SpaceX hat on today, and I know that they're just a big you know, government-funded space agency. You know, that's that's how it is. But anyway, I I still like them. I still think that they're a pretty pretty decent company. It's, uh, it's Wednesday right now. It's currently 78.4 degrees in our office. I think Tom asked earlier, can we open a window? No, we cannot. We do have a window back here behind this curtain that's uh, that's up back there, but the, it can't be opened with anything other than a hammer. So we will not be opening the window, but they did tell us that they will give us a reduction on our rent because we have constantly been dealing with problems since the time that we moved in here. So that is good. That's good news. Supposedly, allegedly, the guy that Nate's been talking to is embarrassed. He's, he is. I think. I, I hope he can't sleep at night. I hope he was tossing and turning in his 80-degree house <laughs> all night last night with the air mysteriously broken for the last several weeks. And when they do turn it on, you know it's just going to leak onto the floor. So we'll trade one problem for another. Anyway, this is the Good Morning Liberty Podcast. We talk about life, liberty, and the pursuit of meeting every single day of the week when we want to. And temperatures. And the temperature of our office. And we will be updating you on that. Many temperatures of the office, temperature of the political state, mm-hmm. the temperature of the... The country as a whole, the temperature of civilization, the temperature of history. And by the way, the, just uh, FYI, I hate it when people say, I don't feel good. I've got a temperature. Like, so do I, man. I hope you do. Yeah. You, yeah. Dead body's got a temperature, you know, mm. and you got a, you got a fever. That's what you're trying to say. Yeah. That's just one of the, we'll, we'll just get all those out one little bit at a time. And but, the only prescription. What is I don't know how you finish that. What is that from? I've never oh, heard of cow it before. Bell, okay, all right. Gotcha. It's um it's Wednesday, so we typically talk about good things on Wednesday because it's white pill Wednesday. But it's a short week. So. It's a short week, and I, I don't know if today qualifies as a Wednesday. <laughs> so uh, we've got some things that can have a good uh, a good twist on them. They're not exactly the best stories in the world, but they can be presented in a great manner that can make you feel hopeful i'm not in a white pill mood today me, me so. either no 78.6 in the office does not make me feel white pilled really at all what's that increase of 0.2 degrees since we started the intro of the show i don't know this is what we're dealing with right now this is ridiculous Hang it's on. a short week <laughs> it's still the, the week that's yeah. how hot charlie is <laughs> that's how hot i get sometimes <laughs> okay uh in we're, the summer i squirt back at it we're gonna be talking about <laughs> omicron a little bit the new york times talking about stuff that we've been talking about for a couple of years but maybe the narrative is starting the shift they're just going to introduce just a little bit at a time a little bit of the truth at a time to let people know because i think what we're seeing i'll tell you why this is happening too afterwards by the way i think what we're seeing is that since Omicron is so much less dangerous and people are really over this whole thing, 
now the media is starting to realize like we can't keep up this thing forever like it, it's it's becoming blatantly obvious and we're gonna have to shift gears just a little bit but they can't the do red, it all at once the red flag is gonna be lowered soon <laughs> <laughs> they can't do it all at once so they have to manipulate you towards the truth or somewhat the truth or whatever their new truth is going to be they can't just shift back to it all at one time or they'll get called out for it and fired and all kinds of stuff like that so anyway that's a uh, one thing that they're doing we've got some numbers in here from the cdc uh nevada lawmakers reversing a statewide vaccine requirement for college students we've got five gop-led states that are giving unemployment aid to workers who lost their jobs over vaccine mandates i think we'll have an interesting conversation about that one because i don't know where i stand on that Rand paul put out his annual annual rate waste report last week Festivus, his festivist thing there's some ridiculous stuff in there and i think last year we went over some of it and it's a good thing that we have a senator that is out there doing this there's the good part of all the terrible disgusting things that he put in there and we'll see if we have time to get to some other maybe important issues after that but that's probably going to take up the whole show so the first thing here I was waiting for From you to interrupt me with something the else. New no, York I was, was going to read it. I just normally when I switch to read I the article. I've got something for you afterwards. Okay. Normally when I switch to read the article, you decide to throw in one more little ad for like maybe subscribing on YouTube or something like that. I think everyone should follow the show. I think that would be okay. nice. I'm not going to force them to do it. <laughs> it literally gave you a pause that time. I'm a libertarian, <laughs> okay. you know, so I'm not going to force anybody to hit follow or sign up on locals. But if you're feeling up for it in this giving season, as you enter 2022 and you want to be more charitable, which I think you should be, uh, you should give to Liberty and yeah. you can do that by going to goodmorninglibertylocals.com. It's by the, the best w- place to I, give to Liberty because it's, it's in the morning. Before I read this article, I have to tell everyone, have you, has, have any of you guys in a live group seen the movie on Netflix called don't look up? Why are you just talking to the guys? Guys and girls, have any of the humans in the group, none of the bots respond on this, but if any of the humans in the group watch Don't Look Up yet, you should watch it. Okay. It's really good. Now, is it a metaphor for uh, how we've reacted to climate change and they're trying to be political about it? It is, but it's about um, these scientists discovering this comet that's going to make a direct impact with Earth. And basically, they're trying to get the administration. It's a comet. And they're trying to get the administration to pay attention to it. They don't really care. There's a Supreme Court nominee they're trying to get through. They can't get the news to care about it because there's like this big celebrity breakup that's going on that they're all talking about. And basically, they're all presenting the data, showing that we're all about to die, and no one will pay attention to them. It's a hilarious movie. It's by the. Because the media is talking about the pay gap. Between <laughs> something like that, the the pay gap between um, the the two stars was it Leonardo DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence, Jennifer Lawrence is the other one. Yeah, so Leonardo DiCaprio. Or this movie, so they were yeah. The media was talking about yeah. that, so they weren't paying attention to the comment. Jennifer Lawrence, uh, Jonah Hill, uh, Tyler Perry is in it. Meryl Streep plays the president. It's kind of a combination of Trump and Hillary. Everyone's mad, by the way. That oh yeah, Leonardo DiCaprio made. $5 million more than Jennifer Lawrence. And apparently Jennifer Lawrence has a bigger role mm. in this film. Uh, I mean, she's and pretty big, but everyone's mad about it except for Jennifer Lawrence, <laughs> which is ironic. She yeah. made 25 million by the way. And DiCaprio made 30 million. Uh, well, so they're mad about this $5 million discrepancy. I wonder which one of them brought more people to watch the movie. 
Jennifer Lawrence even said in an interview, like, oh, well, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio has more experience. He's been doing this for like 15 years longer. So the union wages, yeah. he should be getting paid more, more anyway. More experience, <laughs> and he has a, a bigger uh, box office draw. Yeah. So she's like, it makes sense. I'm happy with my contract. Yeah. The only people that are mad about it is, is, is the woke. Um, it's uh, made by the same person who did the big short and also did Talladega Nights and the other guys and some other, I think, stepbrothers maybe too. Anyway, it's a really funny movie. There, I will give... Adam McKay? Yeah. Before I spoil it for anyone, I'm going to give everyone time to watch it. it. It was very funny. Even with the political thing, it was a very well done movie. We all know what our thoughts are on everything, but it was a very entertaining movie. I there, knew you were a communist. There's one massive economic fallacy that they present so now you support the green new deal <laughs> no no there is one massive economic fallacy that they present in this and i'll just tell you before we do an in-depth talk about it they end up deciding that they're not going to deflect the asteroid way off this is in the previews so they're going to wait for it to come closer so this big tech billionaire can send these things up to mine it for rare minerals because there's like $140 trillion worth of minerals on it. Now, what's the problem with that? They're valuing that based on the current scarcity of those minerals. They say, oh, there's $140 trillion worth of minerals on it. But the minute that you go and mine all of those minerals and you bring them back down to earth, they're not worth nearly as much as what they used to be given the scarcity of those minerals right now. Then the price of them completely drops through the floor. Scarcity has decreased. Then they're abundant. Then there's basically, there's nearly an unlimited supply of those things. And there's no reason that you would pay a bunch of money for it. So anyway, that's, uh, that is, ends up being the whole reason uh, for things that happened in the movie, but it's based off of something that people really wouldn't be able to do. So anyway, uh, I don't know why. They tried sending Bruce Willis up there. They didn't. They were going to send them, and then they decided they wanted to mine it instead. That was a mistake. That was the problem, yeah. Um, okay, Bruce so... Bruce Willis's team. Into the... Uh, was I did it watch the scariest thing imaginable? Scariest environment imaginable? Yes. Yeah. That's Is that all. what it was? Yeah. Um, uh, Joe just asked, did anyone see Bliss? I did watch, I did watch Bliss also. Um, it was a pretty, pretty, well, pretty well done movie, I thought. It was pretty good. You know, I, I wouldn't really watch it again, but I have time for all. Are you not arguing with family members and like, no, you know, trying to convert your brother over to couldn't even tell you the last time I had an argument with a family member. Like, how do you have time for this stuff? I don't know. I've watched two movies today already. Oh, I got <laughs> plenty of time all to all do stuff. Clock. All right. Omicron is not more severe for children, despite rising hospitalizations from the New York Times. It All right, everyone, not. please subscribe to the podcast. <laughs> now, first off, just to give them a little criticism at a time I that, I'm, to, I had that I'm happy for them writing this article, they instead of saying Omicron is not more severe, could have been easier for them to say Omicron is less severe for children because that's the conclusion they end up coming to in the article. But you know that they can't publish an article with that title. This is already sketchy enough for the New York Times right here. The latest Coronavirus surge sweeping the U.S., much of it driven by the highly contagious Omicron variant. They act like they get paid every time they say highly contagious before Omicron. Like, you don't actually get paid unless you say highly contagious Omicron variant. It's all psychological manipulation. Mm -hmm. They 
it's all done on purpose, folks. This is White Pill Wednesday. The reason this is White Pill is because what they end up saying in this article, and we're starting to see the narrative shift a little bit, even from publications like the New York Times. So that's it's a little bit of a glimpse into what the narrative will be a few months from now, a little bit easier to talk about these things. Um, anyway. And, but Tom, here's the thing. I'm not feeling very White Pill today, so... yeah. You know, my commentary is going to be a, a less yeah. loving. I hate White Bill Wednesday. <laughs> um, the Omicron variant has produced a worrisome rise in hospitalizations among children, not to mention heightened an- anxiety among parents nationwide. Several states, have, vans. several states have reported increases of about 50% in pediatric admissions for COVID-19 in December. New York City has experienced the most dramatic rise with 68 children hospitalized last week. A fourfold jump from two weeks earlier. How is this possible with all their mandates in place and everything? Well, it's because we haven't mandated fully for children yet. still going on. And as we see, if you get vaccinated, you won't catch Omicron. It's just amazing to me. But even as the experts express concern about a marked jump in hospitalizations, an increase more than double that among adults, doctors and researchers said they were not seeing evidence that Omicron was more threatening to children. In fact... Preliminary data suggests that compared with Delta, Omicron appears to be causing milder illness in children, similar to early findings for adults. Infected children remain far less likely to become ill compared with adults. But across the country last week, an average of 1,200 children each day have been hospitalized with the coronavirus, up from 800 at the end of November, according to the Department of Health and Human Services. And in the article... They say some of those children arrived at the hospital with other medical issues. Okay, so they're starting to warm like you up. Like a broken to a pinky. <laughs> yes, and they go there and they test you as soon or as you they go there. Swallowed a penny. And you get probably counted. not because we have a coin shortage. It's probably <laughs> they swallowed something else. We got to take a break and talk about our sponsor, BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness, something preventing you from achieving your goals? I've gone through this before. Charlie's gone through this before. He uses BetterHelp himself. I've gone and talked to counselors before. Sometimes maybe you're being a little bit too hard on yourself. Maybe there's a different perspective that you need to look out for. Taking care of your mental health is something that is very important and it's also very possible. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You're going to connect in a safe and private online environment. So much more convenient than fighting traffic, going into the office somewhere. You just get on the app and talk to someone. You can start talking to them in under 24 hours. This is not some self-help app. This is actual professional counseling. You can send a message to your counselor anytime, and you're going to get a timely and thoughtful response. And you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions, all without ever having to go to that freaking waiting room. BetterHelp is committed to giving you great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if you need to. If they match you up with someone and you don't like them, you can switch over to someone else. It's more affordable than actually going into the office because you're just doing it over an app. And this is available worldwide. You got expertise in so many different areas. Depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, sleeping, trauma, anger, family, grief, self-esteem. Anything you share is confidential. This is very convenient. It's professional. It's affordable because you're doing it through an app instead of going into the office. You can go to the website and check out the testimonials. And by the way, this is not a crisis line. 
So many people have been using BetterHelp that they're recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. There's a reason for that because a lot of people are using this app to get help. If you want to start living a happier life today, as a listener, you get 10% off your first month by going to betterhelp.com gml. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. That's betterhelp.com slash GML. Alarming hospitalization figures can be misleading because they sometimes include all children who have tested positive for the coronavirus upon admission. In fact, looking at some other studies, by the way, which is what they've done the whole time with everyone, by the way, we have no idea what the actual numbers are. And one of the visuals I was going to show for everyone to show that we had no idea what the, what the numbers were, I guess I'll just show you on this, was I pulled up the death counts from the CDC over here. Listen, I'm not saying that it's way overinflated or I'm not saying no one's died from coronavirus or anything like that. I'm just saying we don't know what the actual numbers are. Here's the COVID-19 deaths from the CDC. Deaths involving coronavirus disease. Now, why can't they say deaths from coronavirus? Isn't that kind of weird? So what's the difference in saying deaths from coronavirus or deaths involving coronavirus? Yeah, we know what the difference is. Mm. But hey, I'm not saying that like the numbers, you know, half as many or anything. I'm just saying that we don't know what the actual number is. Just like we don't know what the actual, how many people have been hospitalized because of COVID. How many children have been hospitalized because of COVID? We don't actually know that number. And now the New York Times is starting to actually say this, that the figures can be misleading because they sometimes include children. But what we were talking positive. about two years ago was a conspiracy. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's, that's the thing. We're just misinformation campaign. One thing I was talking to my brother about where he was like, oh, no one said, he was like, no one said that if you questioned whether or not it could be a lab leak that you were a conspiracy theorist. I was like, really? Yeah. No one did last year. Last year, the whole time, no one thought that if you questioned the fact that it could have been a lab leak from Wuhan, you weren't labeled as a xenophobe or anything like that. Well, see, I've, I've noticed this with your, with your brother and uh, what he's going towards because everything has gotten so crazy. Just gaslighting. Everything has gotten so crazy that now... When you respond to something, let's say we respond to something like, like same, um, yeah, you were called a crazy conspiracy theorist if you said that there was a, a lab leak, that that's what it came from. There was a chance. Now he's saying, well, no one said that. And when you show him something like, yeah, people said they'll say, well, is that person credible? Like, well, how many followers? Is that like even a real person? Or is that just some, you know, nobody on Twitter was spouting off saying that you were a conspiracy theorist? He did that with the whole gas price thing. You know, saying like, oh, well, what page was this? Who who was this person? Oh, it's the Democratic page that has almost 400,000 followers. But then like, after I started reading him some things, then that's when he finally admitted that everyone's biased. He's yeah. Like, oh, yeah, of course. Like the left is biased, just like the right's biased. And that's when he went into his whole thing is like, you know, I'm actually more libertarian. But yeah, me, if you're going to tax people, whatever his whole spiel. We're going to start talking to him about well libertarianism is i think we'll have to have that conversation sometime but hey i welcome him to grow towards libertarianism i would not stop him from doing anybody to open their eyes and see the truth i believe that possibly the truth has somewhat been incepted into his brain and eventually when it's his idea Mm -hmm. he's going to move towards it but it has to be his idea hey that's all your job is to do is plant seeds yeah those seeds will grow into a plant 
And then you know what to do with plants. Um, the uh, <laughs> I was saying earlier that Reason did a nice piece where they talked about these studies showing uh, that between 40 and 50% of the hospitalization numbers were people that were there for something else. And so that's a really important thing that we need to know also. It was especially, it was around 50% for the kids were there for something else already. So that would be pretty important to know also. Some hospitals around the country reported positivity rates as high as 20%, but the vast majority were asymptomatic and arrived at the hospital with other health problems. Officials say, this is the New York Times saying this. Dr. Rubin, who they explained in a paragraph that I didn't think was uh, super important, but a credible Dr. Rubin said that real-time data he'd been analyzing as lead investigator with Policy Lab uh, indicated that in southwest Pennsylvania, where Omicron dominates, the proportion of pediatric admissions requiring intensive care services has dropped by half since early fall and has continued to fall in the last month. And the rate of pediatric COVID admissions in much of the country was still below the peak of what is typically seen with the seasonal flu. He added, let me read this let me read this sentence again from the New York Times, quoting this Dr. Rubin. The rate of pediatric COVID admissions in much of the country is still below the peak of what is typically seen with the seasonal flu. He, from the New York Times. Mm. Some of the recent increase, he said, was most likely tied to delays in seeking medical care for children as infections soared again. Are you sure like Joe Rogan didn't write this? <laughs> no, in the New York I Times? know. Combined with the spread of wintertime viruses that can complicate the health of medically fragile children and lead to hospitalization. So what he's saying is people were waiting to go to the hospital for things. And also they're getting sick with other stuff as well. And they're going to the hospital. And, oh, they're also testing positive for coronavirus, but they're asymptomatic. They said the vast majority of them are asymptomatic. But then they still get counted as a COVID hospitalization. Now, let me tell you why the New York Times is coming out with this, by the way. Um, and... The CDC just released new guidance uh, Thursday, December 23rd, mm -hmm. emergency release, by the way, that changed its guidance on healthcare workers who uh, either contract the virus or have known, you know, exposure. Um, they changed the rules on their quarantining and returning back to work status because, uh, which by the way, I think is going to cause even more nurses and, and healthcare workers to quit the profession altogether. Uh, because they're seen as people that aren't literally that aren't cared about at all. So emergency guidance from the CDC, uh, healthcare workers with COVID with COVID-19 who are asymptomatic can return to work after seven days, not mm -hmm. 10 anymore, seven. Yeah. And in some cases, five days. Yeah. Okay. Healthcare workers who have received all recommended COVID-19 vaccine doses, including a booster do not need to quarantine at home following high risk exposures. So if you received everything, you could still, now you could still have COVID and spread it yeah. to the patients that you're caring for, by the way. Yeah. It, but now it's not a big deal anymore. Why? Because there's such a, a shortage. It also says uh, in here, these uh, isolation, oh, these guidelines apply only to the healthcare workforce and may be revised to continue to to protect both health care workers and patients as additional information. Um, I was cutting out just now hmm. as additional information. Uh, it comes available and it says that it can also be revised based on staffing shortages. So, so that's the, 
now that's the problem is they have these staffing shortages because a bunch of people have left the profession mm -hmm. because of, of everything that's going on. And so now the CDC is revising everything. So now the media is going to start to get behind all these things that we've been saying for years, by yeah. the way. Literally, it's about to say years yes. now. Years now. And and now all of a sudden you're going to see this shift in the narrative happen. And I guess that's kind of the white pill of it all. But it's it's unbelievably frustrating. I think one of the reasons to be this right is, all the time. One of the reasons <laughs> this is happening is because especially with the Omicron, the highly transmissible or highly contagious, whichever one they say all the time, Omicron. It's listen. Delta was already having a hard time keeping vaccinated people from catching COVID and spreading COVID. Like it was already getting through a little bit. All right, it was doing okay. But now this one, they're saying, you know, 70 times more uh, transmissible than Delta was. And you're seeing these cruise ships break out with tons of infections. You're seeing these cities where you're mandated to be vaccinated, breaking out with tons of infections. What we're going to be getting data on is that it barely stops you from getting COVID and it hardly, if ever, stops you from spreading it to someone else. Basically, it's still a therapeutic which is what it's been working pretty well for is as a COVID therapeutic that you've taken pre getting COVID. And that's what it's still going to be useful for. But the whole idea of it being useful for stopping you from getting it or stopping you from spreading it to other people. I think that that's going to become statist statistically insignificant overall. And so I think that's what it, happens. It works much like the flu vaccine, which is like the flu doesn't stop you from the flu vaccine doesn't stop you from getting the flu. Yeah, it might stop you from spreading it. I'm not, I'm not sure. Not necessarily, but, especially if you're in close contact with somebody. But it do, what it does do is it, it does stop. It does drastically reduce hospitalizations and death. Yeah, it's a it's a really it's so, a it's a great therapeutic. Exactly. So yeah. among people that are vaccinated, the chances of death are way less, even though the chance of death is still less. Because yeah. It's not the chance of death is not very high if you're under 75 years old. Um, the chance of death is not very high anyway um, compared to just about anything else in the world. Yeah, of the 814,000 deaths, 422,000 of them were 75 or older. So over half. Yeah, that were 75 or older. Okay, so between 19 and 44 years old is 33,000 out of the 814,000 total. 558 of them are 5 to 18, and 245 are 0 to 4. Remember, that data is called deaths involving coronavirus disease. So we don't even know what the actual numbers are. Some of the kids who died, could have, they could have had the flu or RSV and COVID. Mm -hmm. Like they could have had multiple. It's possible. The there are time. other things that people get Yeah, from what I hear. And RSV and the flu is way more deadly to children than COVID itself. And so the good thing about this is that the, the New York Times, which is a pretty big publication overall, from what I can see, is starting to shift the narrative a little bit and make it okay to say things like, yeah, you know, this is actually less dangerous for kids. Oh, you know, actually half or more of the kids in the hospital with COVID are there for something else. They just happen to test positive for COVID. And getting that from the New York Times, that means that the overall narrative is eventually going to start shifting in that direction. And so our narrative overlords might bring us a slight glimmer of liberty moving into 2022. Mm -mm -mm. I love it. Anyway. All right. Coming from campus reform, Nevada lawmakers reverse statewide vaccine requirement for college students. So they had a vote. This is some good news. The Nevada Legislative Commission six to six. By the way, did you see Harry Reid died? I did. And then they renamed uh, McCarran Airport 
to the Harry Reid Airport. Mm. I don't know if you saw that or not. No. Anyway, the Nevada Legislative Commission 66 split decision last week overturned the state's COVID-19 vaccination mandate for all college students within the state. When the mandate expired last week and was sent to the Legislative Commission for review, the commission chose not to make it permanent, with all six Republican lawmakers voting against the mandate and all six Democrats for it. So they can all wash their hands Mm -hmm. of it. Soon after the commission's vote, schools with Nevada began lifting registration holds on unvaccinated students, allowing all to enroll in classes for the spring of 2022 semester. So now they can get their government loans. Um, (laughs) As of December 28, 644 faculty, staff and students from colleges and universities across Nevada have signed a petition to reinstate the mandate. They want it back. 644 of them. Please force everyone else to get this. We are outraged that six legislators on the Legislative Commission put political considerations ahead of the sound advice of medical experts and ignored the clear statutory authority of the Board of Health over public health regulations. Now, are they talking about the six Republicans or six Democrats? (laughs) Obviously, the the Republicans. Okay. And I've put the health and safety of these Nevada students, faculty, and staff at increased risk of COVID-19 infection which is showing that whether you're vaccinated or not, it doesn't matter. And we have made our campuses less safe as workplaces and for in-person instruction. Joshua Zerbel, another UNLV student, is encouraging his peers to push back on the commission's decision. He wants the mandate to be reinstated for the same reason every other vaccination that is required. They're, so. they're just, we're going we're gonna to get the data on this and we're just going to see that it's, if you're worried about catching it, if that's what you're worried about is a case a, a case number, then the people being vaccinated or not, I think is going to end up. Yeah, sure, people who are vaccinated going to have a little bit lower likelihood of getting it, probably. But they probably already have it. I don't think it's going to be. I don't think it's going to be statistically significant. And these people that are outraged, they it's not like they're telling you you can't get the vaccine. That's that's not what they're telling you. Listen, you're probably going to get this thing. We got cruise ships full of only vaccinated people that aren't allowed to get off the boat. Because too many people have COVID on the boat. There's not a single unvaccinated person there. Okay. What is this kid freaking out about? Wait, this is White Pill Wednesday. The good thing is that they overturned the vaccine requirement. So there's a win for liberty. The mandate Mm -hmm. requirement. So there's a win. Overturning mandates is always a good thing. It is. It is. Now, even if there are a bunch of idiots, some might see this next one as a good thing. Some might not. I don't really know what everyone's going to think. And I don't. No, well, I kind of know where I'm at, but it's in White Pill Wednesday anyway. Five GOP-led states extend unemployment aid to workers who lost their jobs because of vaccine mandates. All right? I'll tell you what y'all are going to disagree with in my analysis of this, is that they don't just mean the federal vaccine mandates. They mean if the corporation mandated vaccines on their own Mm. without any kind of federal mandate. So anyway, we'll talk about this elite. This is from the WAPO. At least five Republican-led states have extended unemployment benefits to people who've lost jobs over vaccine mandates, and a smattering of others <laughs> may soon follow. You know, we don't use the word smattering enough. <laughs> I That's, don't think so either. That yeah. was, yeah, I good th- job. I want to thank, thank the WAPO for using <laughs> smattering in a sentence, because now I know how to say it also. You can even say smattering. Workers who quit or are fired for cause, including for defying company policy, are generally ineligible for jobless benefits. But Arkansas, Florida, Iowa, Kansas, and Tennessee 
right here in our home state of Tennessee, mm-hmm. man, have carved out exceptions for those who won't submit to the multi-shot coronavirus vaccine regimens that companies now require. Now, what about the single-shot J&J regimen? I don't know. Similar ideas have been floating in Wyoming, Wisconsin, and Missouri. Critics contend... Now, here's the interesting thing. Critics of this whole thing are contending that these states are incentivizing people to skip shots that public health... Uh, that public health experts say offer the best line of defense against the coronavirus. It's weird that they're saying that offering people unemployment benefits gives workers an incentive to do something. I don't know. That's, mm. that's kind of that weird. Strange. They notice that there is an incentive structure in mm. place. They yeah. are recognizing that. It's, I don't know. It's interesting. Business leaders and industry groups have argued against the rule changes because companies would shoulder much of the cost. Any efforts are playing out as the Biden administration is pressing immunization rules for private companies and as coronavirus cases are surging again because of the fast spreading Omicron variant. We have to have that qualifier. The cases are surging. Y'all thought that Omicron was slow spreading? Mm. Let me tell you what. It is fast spreading. It is is highly transmissible and contagious. She still has to say that. The rule change is uh, is one among multiple state measures seeking to undermine President Biden's vaccine mandate. Each state sets its own eligibility requirements, guidelines for unemployment benefits, but they generally are available to those who are out of work because of issues beyond their control, such as being laid off because of a drop in company revenue. That is why someone fired for violating corporate policy, which would include vaccination rules, would not normally qualify for aid. So in normal times, what they're talking about are conservative lawmakers here. The person is making the claim that in normal times, people think, oh, well, the people on these benefits are losers or aren't deserving. So what they're talking about there is that during normal times, they would say, well, these people don't need unemployment because they don't deserve to get unemployment because they just don't want to work. And uh, he said, if you can get their mind oriented towards a population they don't think that about, they'll come around to it and say, oh, this makes sense. So they're arguing that there's no principle here from the conservatives because normally they'd be arguing against increased unemployment benefits for people. Mm-hmm. And they might be right about that. Well, and what you're seeing play out now is... Uh, you know, a continuation of identity politics, basically, um, where it's one team versus the other. And that's what they're doing here. So what you have, I believe... Which you're in favor of. Um, not necessarily, no. Oh, I thought, not saying I thought that you I'm, were in favor of populism. Not necessarily that I'm in favor of it. But I'm saying if you're going to win the political game, you might need to use oh, okay. it. I got you. Okay. So you um, just want to, you rather than want to be losers. Well, okay, so I was <laughs> I was listening to a debate between Dave Smith and uh, Nick Fuentes. Fuentes. Fuentes, yeah. And I found it very interesting. Um, now, I don't know that much about Nick Fuentes. This, in fact, this is the first time I've ever listened to him, but apparently he's got a pretty big following. Um, and their idea is um, is that there's always going to exist a state, so we might as well take the power and impose our minority will and fight the other minority that's imposing their will, the left. Mm. Um, and so you I mean think majority or is it minority will? The minority will mm. on the majority. Mm. Um, and because that's what the left has been doing for all these years. So the right needs to do the same thing. Um, and so I think that's kind of what you're seeing play out now with these types of things. It's like, oh, well, we're not going to do what the right thing is, which is not give people benefits when they shouldn't, you know, stealing taxpayer money and redistributing it. Um, they're going to flip the script and say, well, if you're going to do this, we're going to do it too, just for yeah. our, for our people. And I, so that's, 
that this is what I don't like, but I don't, maybe this is inevitable. I don't know. I think this situation is complicated when it comes to the actual federal vaccine mandate. You could make the argument that, but the argument breaks down, but you could make the argument that the federal government should be responsible for those unemployment benefits because they created this unconstitutional mandate that's leading to a lot of people being fired from their jobs. And so they should be liable for those people's unemployment when they wouldn't have been fired otherwise. But the problem where that argument breaks down is I got you. I understand, but the federal government doesn't have any money that they don't take from other people. That's the only way that they get that money. So you, you can't say that they have that responsibility to do that because people have that responsibility and we didn't all vote for such thing and I shouldn't have to pay for unemployment for other people. So really you're putting the burden on people who pay taxes. Now the one part you should be able to get is what you've paid in to unemployment. I mean, the feel like that should come back to you. No problem. But when it comes to taking it from me, it is unusual to see conservatives extending more reasons for unemployment where they're going to take people's tax money and give it to other people. And then of course, with our private versus public uh, vaccine mandate argument. I, I think that a corporation should be able to set a policy and fire people. And so uh, there is a fuzzy area here where did they do it because that's what they wanted to do as a company and they were going to do it anyway, or are they doing it because they're being forced to do it by the federal government and they're just trying to prepare for the mandates. Now we don't know. Now there's no good answers anymore. So I don't really know. Does the federal government have responsibility to help the people that are getting fired because of their bad policies? Morally, you would say that they would, but they don't actually have any money. They're just going to take it from actually, you. So I actually worked for your wife's company, HCA, for a couple of years. Yeah, she's owned that company for a while now. Thanks for mentioning <laughs> And um, I, I worked for them the, prior to COVID, and they always had a flu mandate. And... A flu vaccine mandate, not that you have to get the flu. <laughs> um, even I worked in an office uh, in IT, obviously, as a software developer, and uh, they had a flu vaccine mandate. This was in 2017. Yeah. So five years ago, um, before any of this started, that was required every year to take the flu vaccine. And if you didn't want to, you had to wear a mask during flu season. Mm. That was their rules. That and if you didn't follow those, they could fire you. This was before the pandemic. So there, therein lies a rule that corporations can do what they want. It's, it's their business. And what yeah. they're trying to do is protect other, other workers and their patients. That's how they saw best fit to protect the people that was giving them money. It's, it was a way that they thought to best run their business. This is way before the pandemic ever started. So, um, they said, uh, aren't the unemployment insurances usually only paid by the employer? I think half comes from the employer. I'm pretty sure. I think they pay half of it. I'm not, I'm not sure. Maybe it's different in every state and it also depends on your state unemployment. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not really sure how that works, but I think I remember because my family had owned some businesses, them saying that they were still having to pay them, you know, half of whatever, uh, that amount was not, not super sure on that. Maybe that's an incorrect statement. I don't know. Well, we'll move on from here because I just thought that that was an interesting conversation and it muddles all these philosophical lines that we're trying to navigate around right now. And what we're seeing is that we're coming into a place where there aren't any nice principled answers anymore. 
Like, well, someone got fired because of the federal mandate. I don't know. A business uh, fired someone because of the mandate. Well, also, the business was going to get fined millions of dollars if they wouldn't have passed this mandate on the people. So, like, can you be mad at the businesses anymore once the federal mandate is in effect? I don't know. There's no good answers left over anymore, except for mass, a mass amount of people disobeying the or- their orders. I mean, they're being given. I made the argument the other night that if like if there wasn't all this hysteria and everything, I think more people would actually be vaccinated. Yeah. If it wasn't so politicized. We talked about that yesterday. If you stopped mandating things and all this stuff. I think more people would just general in general probably get vaccinated. Mm-hmm. Like they would look at the data and they'd be like, hmm, you know, this does reduce my chance of death. So maybe for me and my family, we'll get vaccinated. And there wasn't any stigma around whether you were or not. Yeah. You know? Like, if the government and the media would have never talked about it at all, I probably would have gotten it. Yeah, if, or if COVID was more dangerous. Well, yeah. People would have gotten it too. I can't say I probably, I don't know. I've never, I've got the flu vaccine once in the last 15 years. Or I just don't, typically don't care. Yeah. You know, I'm just, you know, I'm still still kind of young a little bit. I just typically don't care about it. We're not that young. <laughs> I guess that's true. All right, let's get on to some government waste because that's our favorite thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rand Paul's annual waste report. See, this is a graphic I wanted to put up on screen, but I guess I'll now, post it in the group. As we're on this train to Liberty or bus or whatever you want to call it, like if we could get, get rid of government waste and fraud and all that, like I would be pretty happy like on the road to anarcho-capitalism, whatever you want to get. That'd be like a 90% decrease in the budget. So Rand Paul's waste report. Now, you know, this is not all the waste of the government, but what he put out and what he found uh, is 52 million, 500, sorry, 52 billion, 598 million, 515,585 dollars this year, by the way. So based on the average taxpayer, um, the Uncle Sam wasted the taxes of 3.4 million people. So. Yeah, because the average person, if you average it all out, mm-hmm. it's $15,000 per taxpayer. Yeah. And so that comes out of about 3.4 million people. Whatever you paid in, we can identify it right here in this waste. Isn't that kind of gross? It's disgusting. Yeah. It's so gross. I'll it, think about that as I pay my taxes this year. Even talks about how it's roughly the population of LA or Chicago or 50 times the size of his hometown of Bowling Green. Just, so the whole city, imagine a whole city, everything they paid in and their federal taxes just got given to other people through fraud, waste, or abuse. Just burned, basically. Wouldn't they be mad about it if you told the whole city, whatever you guys pay in, LA, everything you pay in, we are going to designate to the waste, fraud, and abuse category. Of government. Of government. Mm-hmm. How do you think they would feel about that? But since that loss is distributed among however many people are paying taxes, then we can't, we just can't get mad about it. So we'll go some through through some of these here. The SBA watchdog found at least four, at least four point three billion dollars in bad loans out of the PPP. So there's that. There was um, the Department of Labor watchdog DOL flags as much as thirty six billion dollars. In wasted unemployment insurance payments. Now, there was a ridiculous thing inside of the SBA watchdog thing. They have $3.6 billion of that that they sent out. They have a do not pay list. People that they are known fraudsters, that they have a do not pay list. And Still they went out to them. They didn't check the list. 
The anti-Santa Claus is the government. They did not check the list once or twice. Yeah. And they just sent it out whether or not you were naughty or nice. Right there. You've been waiting to say that. $3.6 billion. I made that up right there. I've never, never heard it before, but there you go. <laughs> to a list, to people that were already on a list of people who were fraudsters that should not receive any of the government loans. Which just further proves the point you should shoot your shot. <laughs> just to see what happens. All right. So the Department of Labor watchdog uh, flags as much as $36 billion in wasted unemployment insurance payments. We went over some of this already. So they paid out as much as $36 billion in improper payments from the CARES Act alone. The program has an improper payment rate above 10% for 14 of the last 17 years. Um, an improper payment rate of 10% or higher for CARES Act benefits, at least $36 billion in UI program funds could be paid improperly with a significant portion attributable to fraud. Just $36 billion. That's it. Not, not that's not deal. much. Three over three times more than uh, Elon Musk will pay in taxes this year. Yeah. Baltimore School, they received $1.27 million in COVID relief funds for students who actually weren't enrolled. Mm. So I can't wait to see this person get a slap on the wrist. That's pretty nice. Uh, school's enrollment is based on the number of students enrolled on paper on September 30th. On paper. In Baltimore, the federal funding per student equals 9000 a little over $9,000. Augusta Fell School in Baltimore enrolled over 140 students with whereabouts unknown, meaning the school improperly received $1.276 million that the superintendent probably put in his pocket. <laughs> okay. Like, oh, we're just going to enroll another 140 students and we'll submit that paper right there. Uh, uh, while this enrollment fraud was occurring in 2020, Baltimore City received $85 million in CARES Act money. And in 2021, Baltimore City Public Schools directly received $197 million under the COVID 2.0 relief bill. Even before the pandemic, the federal government provided nearly $120 million annually toward Baltimore City Schools' total budget. Just wasn't quite enough. And that's the problem, just by needs, the way. They just need a $1.27 million more. The investigation found some, administrator, some administrators were changing grades and padding enrollment with GO students who were not actually attending the school in order to get more funding. In turn, the Maryland State Department of Education says a school may have to pay the money back to the state. They might have to. No one's going to lose their jobs, though. Yeah. We can't fire these folks. You know what we're going to do? We might make you pay us back. Man, getting back at them. And there's a problem with public school funding. It's based on the amount of students you have. Now, if you had a private school, they just get paid based on how many people are there. They get, actually get paid for people that are receiving the service from the school. So there's an obvious incentive here to fudge the numbers as much as you can from the administration. Add people to the roles that aren't actually there. Make the grades good enough that you qualify for the funding. They're... You know, you think, oh, they work at schools. All they care about is the education of the children. These are public servants. These are Exactly. That's all they care about. No. No, that's not it. Turns out... They care about padding their own pockets. Yeah. Even if their students are getting bad grades, they will change the grades so they can get more money. Imagine all right. that. All right. But once again, the white pill is that we have a senator, one out of our hundred senators, that is actually putting all this stuff out there. 
Who and actually returns money to the treasury for yeah. his office yeah. furniture budget. Yeah. Um, now, a good thing here, I think this might be a little bit white pill. The artists weren't left out. Yeah. COVID mm-hmm. thing. Uh, New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio, during his tenure, uh, he spent $25 million of taxpayer-funded federal COVID relief dollars to launch the City Arts Corps paying 3,000 artists to publicly display creative works in an effort to resurge the cultural scene in the city. That is very important for COVID relief. Which criminals were doing with graffiti for free, by the way. (laughs) So, hey, you might have a higher likelihood of getting robbed or stabbed to death, but at least while that's happening, you could look at beautiful art. Yeah. We don't want those cheap ACAB things on the sides of the city (laughs) streets. We want the nice, super expensive ones to be out there. Now, for all you people who care about walls, you probably won't this you won't even bat an eye at this. <laughs> but Congress gave the Defense Department now it is kind of funny though, Trump was trying to get money for our own country. Yeah. But Congress approved for the DOD to have two hundred and fifty million dollars to build border walls in the Middle East and North Africa. <laughs> He said he would build the wall. (laughs) In the December 2020 blowout appropriations bill, Congress spent $250 million on enhanced border security in the Middle East and North Africa. Meanwhile, the United States immigration system still has much work to be done. While they are busy funding other countries' immigration systems, uh, the United States Citizenship and Immigration Services received a flood of new DACA applications, ultimately resulting in a considerable backlog of over 81,000 applications, according to the agency. And so we sent $250 million to the Middle East and Africa. But it's okay because Mexico paid for it. Yeah, exactly. Totally fine. Um, Let's skip the next one here. Um, Since 2010, the American taxpayer has given uh, triple F farms. So $4.5 million for the breeding and transporting of ferrets to COVID-1964. It's just COVID-19. That's a citation. And influenza vaccine testing laboratories. In 2011, an undercover investigation revealed findings from an under... <laughs> yes, that's what it says. An undercover investigation revealed findings from an, underco- under, under, from an undercover investigation, including video recordings of ferrets dying in feces run over by carts thrown alive into incinerators hanging from wire. Mm. Those mm. poor ferrets. The USDA later confirmed these violations, but only fined Triple F Farms just under $44,000. A minor slap on the wrist compared to the millions of dollars your taxpayer funds they received before and after the investigation. What a sweet deal. Yeah. Like, hey, look, we're going to give you this grant, like $4.5 million, but we're going to investigate you later so that we can document all these terrible things that we want you to do but don't worry, you're only going to pay a $44,000 <laughs> fine. That's a good... Sign me up. Like, okay, what's our expense on this? Forty-four grand. Should we take the four and a half mil? Yeah, yeah, you should take the four and a half mil. Jeez. The important part is, are they still receiving money? Yeah. Yeah. They are. They're still what we're using for all of our ferret studies. <laughs> and to make matters even worse, recent inspections reports by the USDA have demonstrated that abuse continues. Citing excessive piles of feces, scabs on the skin. (laughs) I like like excessive piles of feces. Uh, It's probably highly contagious feces. (laughs) Empty feed bags and soiled enclosures. So, guys, it's, you know, 
they obviously care about the ferrets here. Um, I guess I'll, I'll give you a break here and do the next couple. Um, this next one, the Environmental Protection Agency. You guys ever heard of them? Mm-hmm. Granted the 12th Congressional District of California $2.1 million to incentivize residents to remove wood-burning systems and replace them with electric heat pumps. While the American taxpayer is paying to replace fireplaces and send money to electricity companies, shouldn't the government prioritize most imminent issues? On the contrary, Congress also passed in 2020 the $900 billion COVID relief bill by a 92-6 vote that happened to include a provision incentivizing the installation of, of fireplaces nationwide by giving a 26% tax credit to people who install home heating and hot water systems that use wood pellets, chips, and cordwood. I don't know what cordwood is. That is, unless you're one of the citizens that's being encouraged to remove them. So, yes, they are paying people to get rid of their wood-burning fireplaces and incentivizing people to put in wood-burning fireplaces. Mm. You can double dip in that one. That's all. Yeah, you, you take can. Take the old one out, mm-hmm. get paid, put a new one in, and get paid. That's exactly what I would mm-hmm. do right there. I, actually, you know what? I've got a wood-burning fireplace at home, and I'm going to see if I qualify. No, it's so California is where they get paid to take them out. Congress gave the State Department $179 million to fund green energy programs in Africa. Mm, nice. 2020, Congress passed another huge spending bill, costing $2.5 trillion. Tucked into the monstrosity was a directive from Congress to the Department of the State to spend $179 million to provide Africa electricity derived from green sources. Africa already has substantial natural renewables resources, which it can't implement due to lack of financial backing. But operating renewable energy sources like solar and hydroelectric remain more costly to its citizens. So the, there's an interesting story in that book um, that I was that I was telling everyone about a while back. Which which one was the one I was doing? False Alarm, I think, is the one that I was that I was reading. They were talking about how they went in and they gave this uh, this solar power to this little village, and the people ended up getting really mad about it. Uh, because they'd had some electricity before they ended up getting really mad about it and they get they said we want real electricity because it couldn't even run like a refrigerator in their in their village it just wasn't enough to do it so this is not exactly the uh the way that you're going to fix everything plus they uh, he also uncovered that we have 60,000 American citizens that live on the Navajo reservation that do not have electricity right now but we did spend 180 million dollars to give green energy to people in Africa. So that's great. Not that we shouldn't help people in Africa, but everyone should do that privately, do that with your own money. And they should also go through the same technological revolution that we have. We cannot force these super expensive green energy plans that we can't afford on a country that is not even developed yet. They need to go through the same process that we did so they can actually build up their economies to be able to afford that. Our economy can't even afford it. So deciding that also our economy is going for it and we're going to be able to pay for it for these other economies around the world, it's not going to happen. It's well, not possible. You just hate African people, obviously. Yes. Yeah. Um, yes. So let me read off a few more of these that I just find absolutely disgusting um, that aren't listed here in our podcast notes. Foreign countries use our aircraft for free for four years from the Department of Defense. $773 million. Yeah. The U.S. bought Afghanistan planes that were later thrown away for $549 million. Um, I guess I couldn't find any Afghan pilots. <laughs> uh, U.S. constructed buildings in Afghanistan left sitting unused, $2.4 billion. 
Um, there was also attempting to replace an assault vehicle for over two decades, $3.4 billion. They still haven't replaced the vehicle, by the way. Um, planting trees in New York City, $400 million. Mm. I would like that contract. It's a good contract. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Bob, what are you doing? Oh, I'm just planting trees out here in New York City. Um, yeah, making a million dollars an hour. And that, by the and that's what you're so what you're saying right there is a real important part. This is all about handing money out to people who get to receive this money. That's exactly. all that's all it's about. They're just gaming the system, just like all the other fraud that we talked about. These are just a bunch of corporate fraudsters that are going out there and I mean they're taking contracts that the government's given out. That's fine. But they're probably drawing up those contracts because those people are working behind the scenes. Because the money exists. Yeah. That's the actual problem. The money exists. Um, the, because uh, they've stolen it from you. Um, somebody's going to get it. Jeff mentioned a good one. My favorite was the money wasted to study if hearing bad news reduces someone's yes. happiness. That yeah. was $1.3 million. To study whether or not hearing something bad made you less happy. Here's another good one. Funding the Wilson Center to put on parties for congressmen. $14 million. It's mm. a good use of your money. Yeah. And actually, and somehow the government knows better how to spend my money than I do. Inside of that, the Wilson Center asked for $8 million, by the way. <laughs> they gave they, they gave them 14 Nice. Yeah. Oh, you're asking too low. Wilson. They reduced it. And you should have asked for 50 would have we, give, we would have given it to you. <laughs> they reduced it because of, tw- because of COVID. And they reduced their ask from 14 the previous year down to 8 and they still just gave them 14 Yeah. Like, so this... Look at all this money we have, Wilson Center. Of course oh. you can still have your original ask. This is your money. And, you know, what's so frustrating about this is that, you know, we, you know, technically with the amount of taxes that we're going to pay um, between different businesses or whatever, I could have at least hired one more person. Mm-hmm. And that's the most frustrating thing because that's what I probably would have done with the money more than likely because uh, we are looking at uh, potentially hiring someone or an internship for 2022. And so, you know, I, I, instead I have to stroke a check to the government so these types of things can be done. And, and that's what infuriates me more than anything. And it makes me, like, want to not comply. <laughs> all the money but, you've paid in in taxes barely is going to even take care of uh, torturing ferrets somewhere with Triple yeah. uh, F Farms, yeah. you know. And, and, that's, and then that's it. Mm-hmm. All the other jobs you, you could have created all the business growth that you could have had. And most of it's just going to end up going Literally, to torture ferrets somewhere. All the, all the taxes that Elon Musk is going to pay for this year, which is about $11 billion was already spent by telling people not to burn their trash. Yeah. That's what the U S AID spent to tell people not to burn their trash. I'm sorry. That's 11.3 million. Sorry. That's the wrong figure. Well, it's covered by unemployment or it's uh, covered by phew, Afghanistan. All kinds of stuff. But let's you know? see. Yeah, Afghanistan. Let's say, yep. So building buildings in Afghanistan basically is going to take up most of um, Elon Musk's tax, uh, tax payments already. Tax so the rich, man. It's just disgusting. It's absolutely disgusting, and it infuriates me so much that I'm like, man, if I'm forced to pay taxes or go into a cage, like, can we at least spend it on something worthwhile and not all of these unbelievably disgusting places that it gets spent. And I just, you know, when are people going to be more angry about this? People have to, that's why there's a good thing that 
uh, Senator Paul is going out there and putting this because people have to know about it. Um, there's either we're going to have a system where the tax contributions are voluntary and then we know it's going to go towards better stuff. Or we at least have to look at all the things that we waste money on and people have to get upset about it. And they have to think that, well, actually, we don't have to increase the budget by that much because y'all wasted all this money last year. Just don't waste the freaking money this year. I'm going to vote you out of office, man. And so people have to uh, people have to start caring about all this stuff. And that's why it's a white pill that Paul put this out there. Speaking of white pill, anyone in the group watched The Matrix yet? The new one? Let's see if anyone's seen that. Anyone that's listening. I haven't. Matrix, The Matrix Resurrections. I'm in the group and I haven't. No. Is it in theaters okay. or where is it? Um, it's in theaters and it's on HBO Max. Okay. Yeah, uh, I'll give you my review. It was freaking god-awful. Terrible. Hated it. Uh, I'll just tell you that. I've watched the first Matrix several times. This one will not steal two more hours of my time ever again for the rest of my no life. More. I was uh, very, Did very still, disappointed. Should I still watch it? Um, I think it's uh, it's worth watching so you can say that you watched it and then talk negatively about it like I am right now. Mm. now th- that's about it. Or maybe you'll like it. You know, do your own research. Everyone do your said own she watched half of it, which I don't understand how people do. <laughs> like, if I sit down to watch a movie, I got to watch the whole thing. If I would have gotten busy halfway through this, I would have been like, Daisy, I wouldn't have gone back to it. Hmm. But unfortunately, I had nothing else to do, so I ended up watching the whole thing. But I totally understand only watching half of it and then not finishing. So are we still in the Matrix? Or I don't even care anymore. That's how bad it was. Wow. Yeah. Just don't care. They ruined it for me. <laughs> you know, I saw this crazy thing that... Uh, scientists have taken like a thousand brain cells and they have literally trapped these brain cells in a simulation of pong and the literally these brain cells are playing a game of pong by sending electrodes back and forth to each other to move the thing it's like they created a simulation Hmm. with a human with human brain cells. That's some black mirror shit right there. It's pretty freaky. Yeah. By the way. That's pretty freaky. Freaky deaky. After, you know, after thinking hard about it, I don't think that we're in a simulation right now. And um, I think that because if you think about it, if you were going to keep people in a simulation, which they address this in the new matrix a little bit, like if you just, apparently if you made everything perfect, like it wouldn't work out. They address like, you know, the first matrix was a perfect world. They go back through that, which they went through in the first movie. I'm talking about like the garden of Eden, basically, you know, the first matrix was a perfect world. And they talk about that in the first one too. And, and so anyway, I don't, um, it is still, yeah. Some people said it went too woke and, um, I didn't see that at all in that movie. But anyway, I don't think that we could be in a simulation because I think they would make the simulation better. There would be no reason to make so many, like, why torture someone in a simulation, you know? For fun. Why? I guess for fun. I mean, but I mean, I mean, I guess if that's, if that's the fun thing you want to do, it just wouldn't make any sense to me that you would make this. Cause if you think about like, if you went into the Facebook metaverse with your VR goggles and stuff, like if the metaverse sucked as bad as your life does would anyone use it, or is it going to have to be better? I don't know. But maybe this is better than the real machine world that's uh that's above us right now i don't know torture and kill people without any real (laughs) consequence 
Yeah. You have a simula- you have a simulated consequence. Yeah. But there was already a girl that sexually assaulted in the metaverse. Did you see <laughs> that? that? Yeah. So is that going to be a thing now? I, and know? is I mean it, I mean I know you get kicked out of the metaverse. What I'm waiting for is in like 20 years when you have like some kind of criminal prosecution for something you did in the metaverse. You have to go to court. You know? Yeah. It's going to be. Or the mob kills you. It's going to be interesting. Yeah. All right, y'all. Well, if you enjoyed today's show, as I know that you did. Our shorter show that we were going to do because it's so hot in here. Then please hit that follow button. Like I said, smash it. Be part of the subscribers. Um, it's a cool crowd to be in. Go to goodmorningliberty.locals.com. Sign up for the whole year. Get yourself a 10% discount to be part of the live group and chat with us. And usually you can watch us. Uh, today we had some technical difficulties. But, you know, it only, it's only happened a few times throughout the whole year. And I think that's that's pretty good. That's better than your local TV station who doesn't work half the time. You know, <laughs> and they're always having technical difficulties or you know, the weather man's cutting in with severe weather or something, ruining your bachelor night that you're trying to watch. And so <laughs> it's better. It's better over here. Good morning, Liberties. Good morning, Liberty.locals.com. Go sign up. And uh, if you're interested in trading in the year 2022, then you might as well get educated. By going to mastermytrades.com, over 300 education, educational Mm-hmm. Over 300 educational videos regarding the stock market and everything that you would need to know about trading and some finances. We're not financial advisors, but there is some education there for you to take in for yourself and decide if you are interested in learning how to day trade or invest or anything like that. Go take a look at it. You need to know what's happening with your dollars. Um, and tell a friend. Nate's falling asleep at my my ending monologue here. Mm. <laughs> Can you have an ending monologue? Sure. I guess so. Usually it's an opening monologue. Yeah. But uh, share the show with a friend, a foe, and the children. If you do all those things, we'll be back again tomorrow. Hope you have a good day and a good morning liberty. Liberty.